Hello, friends. It's me, the president of Chickenlandia. Did you know that I have a new book that is now available for purchase? You heard that right. It's called Let's All Keep Chickens, The Down-to-Earth Guide to Natural Practices for Healthier Birds and a Happier World. It's now available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your local bookstore, and more. For more information on how you can grab your copy, just click the link in the show notes. It's so exciting, I can barely handle it. Okay, on with the show. Welcome to Chickenlandia's 100% friendly podcast, Bok Talk. This show will help you learn all about how backyard chicken keeping can be fun, entertaining, and stress-free. Here's your host, the president of Chickenlandia! Hello, friends! Welcome to Chickenlandia, and welcome to Bok Talk, your 100% friendly backyard chickens show. Oh, I almost didn't make it. I was like, <laughs> I, was like I, just got, I just got in this chair. I almost didn't make it. I, guys, you know, I mean, I say this every time. I'm sure you're tired of hearing me say it. But this time it's true. <laughs> I am very busy. Um, I think most of you probably know by now. And if you don't know, uh, we are moving. So, yeah, um, we have not moved yet. As you can see, the background is still the same. We're still in our current home. We are doing some a very small renovations on the new home and like the chicken coop is going in and probably next week the chicken coop will go in and just lots of stuff lots of stuff going on so because of that I just sat down (laughs) so guys today we are going to be talking about bumblefoot in chickens bumblefoot in chickens I do get a lot of questions about this condition and It's definitely something that is like, oh, you know, when you see it, it's like, you know it. And you're like, okay, great. (laughs) Here it is. So uh, we are going to talk about that. I am going to tell you some of my recommendations about it, which are going to be natural, non-invasive recommendations. And I think a lot of people are probably looking for something like that because uh, currently the treatment for it is pretty intense. So I am going to be answering a a listener question um, in, you know, as we move forward, it'll be about bumblefoot and chickens. And if you want to submit your question to Bok Talk so that you can become chicken famous, <laughs> go to my website, welcome to chickenlandia.com. You can go to the contact section and there's a little drop down menu. It says, ask a chicken question. Okay. So let's jump right into the content and talk about bumblefoot in chickens. Now, bumblefoot is usually a staph infection and it can be pretty serious. It can get serious. It can be mild, but it can get serious and it can really become like a systemic problem if it's not handled in a timely manner. And, you know, basically what you will see is a swollen pad, like the bottom of their foot. You know, you just imagine your little bottom of your little chicken foot. And then the pad in the middle, which is usually soft and, you know, a little bit, you know, there's some give to it. 
But imagine that it's swollen and you might feel it, it might be a little bit hot. And the telltale sign really is there's going to be a dark scab in the middle of it. And it doesn't have to be on the bottom of the foot. Sometimes you can see it coming out of the top of the foot, like between the toes. So sometimes people miss it or they don't think it's bumblefoot because it's not on the pad of the foot. But it can appear in other places on the foot. So remember that. But that telltale sign is that black. It's not It's not totally black, but it's like a dark plug in the middle of it. And that is classic bumblefoot. So let's talk about the causes of bumblefoot and why, you know, how you can hopefully prevent it. Now, you know, guys, that I am very into just treating chickens holistically, you know, looking at their whole bodies. It's not like you're just trying to prevent, you know, each thing in its category or you're doing certain things to prevent certain things. You know, basically, you want to give them a good foundation. And that foundation is going to be how you prevent a lot of problems. Okay. So, basically, you need to make sure that your chickens are getting good nutrition. Now, I've talked about the Chickenlandia chicken food pyramid before, but basically, what it is is the it's a it's like a pyramid. It's like if you can imagine like the food pyramid that came out. I think it was like in the 80s. And isn't that, for humans, it's not a very good pyramid, okay? <laughs> we, we got bamboozled in that because <laughs> it's really not very good. But I kind of use that same concept and I made the chicken food pyramid. And I do talk about it in my online course, which you can read more about on my website. Welcome to chickenlandia.com. But in short, basically what it is, is it's a, a pyramid with three different sections because I wanted to make it really easy because we chicken people and definitely chicken educators have a way of making things really complicated. And and remember, this is chicken keeping. Like we've been doing this for millennia. Okay. So it should become, it should be natural and it should be something that we not, we don't stress out too much about. So on the chicken food pyramid, I've got like their, their feed on the bottom. So whatever feed is appropriate for their time of life, that's what we've got on the bottom. And that's the majority of their diet. But chickens also need variety in their diet. And I am someone that absolutely believes in giving your chickens uh, kitchen scraps. And um, I know that there is some controversy around that. I, I do feel that that's pretty misguided. Because, you know, chickens need not only the, the nutrients that's in their feed, which is usually processed. So the feed is like heated up in that process. It loses some of their nutrients. And then that nutrients has to be added back in. Okay. So um, almost all chicken feeds are processed. I know some of them aren't, but almost all of them are. So when you give them access to pasture, when you give them sprouts, when you give them fodder that you've grown, when you give the, when you give them kale the scraps from your from your family's dinner or you know a little bit of brown rice or whatever you have that is healthy that you have left over, that is adding fresh nutrients into your chicken's diet. And I think that that's important. 
So that's why I have that. And I also think it's important in keeping chicken keeping somewhat sustainable because we've taken this thing that was sustainable and we've turned it into something that uses resources. So it's really important to me that in some ways it stays sustainable. So that's why I'm I'm a believer in kitchen scraps. And I know I'm getting a little off topic here, but these are all important things to know. And then at the top of the pyramid, I've got healthy kitchen treats. So you just need to make sure and just constantly evaluate your your chickens nutrition level, make sure that they're not getting stressed out because there's a definite like correlation between stress and disease. We know that's true for us, it's also true for chickens. So bottom line is you want to keep that foundation strong and that believe it or not is going to, of course, help to keep them healthy, but it will also help to keep them from getting injured, okay? And I know that that might be a bit of a stretch, but it really, it really is the truth. So we have a, we have, we're making sure that we ha- have good nutrition, that we're keeping our chickens in a condition of low stress. We want to make sure that they have enough space and enrichment. We want to make sure that their space is clean. We don't want a lot of poop buildup. We don't want a, want a lot of ammonia buildup. Now, if you're doing deep litter, if you're if you're doing it correctly, which is very easy, it's super easy to do deep litter. Okay, if you're do if you're doing it correctly, then actually that will create a a, a very beneficial environment, like bacterial environment in your coop. So um, it'll keep things in balance. Now, when things get out of balance, there's too much poop, there's poop on the roost, you know, there's ammonia buildup. That's when some bacteria can get out of control and your chickens can end up with a bacterial infection like, like a staph infection. Um, make sure that you check your chickens over every once in a while. If you catch it early, obviously it's easier to deal with. And then you don't want things like bullying and other things that are going to stress your chickens out, like too many roosters per hen and all that stuff. Okay, so that's that, those are the things that I want you to think of as far as like a foundation to prevent bumblefoot and also a foundation to prevent all kinds of problems. And I am sweating. <laughs> Why am I sweating? Because I'm 46 and I'm having a hot flash. <laughs> We got to keep it real in Chickenlandia. I hope they keep that in the podcast because <laughs> I want to keep it real. Okay. Uh, another thing is you you don't want to put your roosts up like super duper high. Um, I read something today that was like, don't put them more than a foot taller, you know, a foot high. And I thought, that's interesting. Like, um, I, I don't, I, to me, that's like, uh, you know, I mean, I my chickens like to be up higher than that. So for their happiness and well-being, I think I would put them a little bit higher than that. Um, but you don't want them like eight feet high, like or seven feet high or even six feet high. Like that's that's a little bit too high. OK, uh, because when they jump down, then they can get injured. That's the idea behind that. So I do want to get to the question that I received, and it is from a frequent viewer and listener. Her name is Sherry, and I have answered her questions before, but she she asked some pretty good questions. So, <laughs> so and it was relevant. So here I am asking uh, answering another one of her questions. And Sherry says, I have one chicken with bumblefoot on both feet. Darn it. 
She was standing and eating and drinking, and now she doesn't eat or drink, and she's not standing at all. This is what I've done so far. Uh, she's on amoxicillin, and um, uh, Sherry is working with a vet for that. I've soaked her feet in Epsom salts once, and I've used uh, vetermycin. I'm not sure about the spelling of that. I, I assume that's vetermycin. Plus an antibiotic cream and bandages. I hope I am doing the right things. I'm going on vacation for two weeks, and I'm trying to get my chickens well before I go. Please help. Oh, gosh, I've been there. <laughs> I've been there. It's like every time, every time, every time I'm ready to go on vacation, one of my chickens or ducks gets sick. <laughs> I just like, really? And then it's like this mad rush to get them better before I leave. Because you don't want to leave the, you know, you don't want to leave that with the chicken sitter. Okay, so um, first and foremost, I want to tell you that uh, definitely you want to, if you're working with a vet, I want you to go with what your vet is saying, okay? So, and actually, like, that is going to be your best course of action, no matter what. If you have access to a vet and you have the ability to get to a vet, definitely do that. And, you know, you can get through it that way. What I'm going to suggest to you is... Uh, supportive care and um, but I do want to you know leave that disclaimer and let you know that it's best to work with a vet so here is my protocol for bump caring for bumblefoot at home and no it does not include surgery it does not, <laughs> it does not include cutting your chicken's foot open okay and I'm not I'm certainly not judging anybody that is brave enough to do that but there, I can't in good conscience recommend that because it is such a recipe for introducing not only new infection into an already infected area, but also it's dangerous for you. Because remember, this is, a, this is very likely a staph infection. Okay, and you don't want to get exposure to that. If you also have a cut somewhere, you know, that can not, that can turn into not a good thing, and you can get that. You know, I had a this was back when we were uh, still seeing people in person. <laughs> it was actually a few years ago. I was doing a a seminar at a home show, and in the morning, I woke up and one of my fingers was swollen. It was it was my ring finger, and I couldn't get my ring off, and I had this infection around my nail, and it, it was like really uh, pussed up and swollen and hot and everything. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can go on tonight because I've got this thing going on. And I went to the hospital. Actually, I went to the like urgent care and the doctor was like, oh, it, you know, it's a little bit of a staph infection. And so let's, let's deal with it. And I was like, I have bumblefoot. <laughs> and so I, I wrote, I wrote like, you know, this whole thing that I was going to say during the seminar, like to start it out, it was like this whole comedy bit about, oh, you know, I got Bumblefoot, so be careful. And then when I got up, when I got up there to actually speak, I chickened out and I didn't say it. <laughs> but nowadays I would <laughs> because I'm more versed, you know, now. But back then it was like I had just started really doing like the chicken the chicken seminar circuit. And so I didn't want to jeopardize anything, but anyway, it was funny. So 
I'm not saying that surgery sometimes isn't the best option, but I really would recommend you work with a vet and definitely at the very least, just try other things before you go right to bumblefoot surgery. Okay. Because you're literally, I mean, you're just, you're really taking a risk by doing that. And it's a, a risk that could, could cause some big problems for you or for your chicken. So that's my recommendation. Okay, so what I want you to do, if you notice at the very first sign of bumblefoot, this is what I want you to do. Nightly, soak your chicken's foot in an Epsom salt bath. And you're going to do this every night. Uh, You know, Sherry, I saw that you did it once. This is something I want you to do every night. You're really going to want to you know, kind of try and loosen up that plug and help to draw out that infection. And after you've soaked it, you, and, you know, soak it for as long as your chicken can tolerate it, or you don't want, you don't want the water to get like really cold or anything like that. But after you've soaked it, I want you to slather it. You can, you can use some veterinarian gel um, or some antimicrobial ointment. But what I actually prefer to use is it's a homeopathic drawing salve and it's called PRID. It is capital P-R-I-D. And it's in a little orange tin. I'm going to leave a, a link. I'm not sponsored by by um, <laughs> Highlands homeopathic products, <laughs> just so you know. But it is an affiliate link. But um, I, I will leave a link for that in the description and in the show notes. But it's like a, it's a little orange tin and it's for humans. Um, but it's got it's got some really soothing things in it. Like it has arnica, which we know is a good anti-inflammatory. It helps with uh, swelling, bruising, pain, and it has calendula in it, which is uh, really good for any issue with the skin or for many issues with the skin, and also is calming. Um, and it's got some remedies in it that are going to help with infection and also to draw out that infection. So. And then after you do that, um, it's all, it's not super cheap. I think the link that I have for it, it's like you you get two of them and they're not super cheap. But it's cheaper than, you know, than having to deal with a, a chicken that is has a systemic issue uh, because it hasn't they haven't been been cared for. But I do understand, you know, it's tough when it when you got to spend money. I, I get it. I get it. So hopefully if you if nothing else, if you don't have that, then you can use some Neosporin. But make sure to do those Epsom salt baths every night and start out with that. Oh, and definitely like when you get when you get the chicken out and you slather it with the prid, then I want you to wrap it with some vet wrap so they're not messing with it. And, and also, so you're not, you know, it's not getting dirty. And during this time, I want you to have your chicken inside when they have, when they have that bandage on, it's better to have them inside or at least to have them in a place where they um, are not going to be on their feet a lot. They have easy access to food and water and they're not going to be getting that bandage all dirty because you don't want that. Um, and I would do the rest method during this time too. give them some electrolytes, vitamins, probiotics, give them some tasty treats. Don't go overboard because they, unless, unless they're, they're also sick, you know, to entice them like Sherry's chicken also, you know, she definitely, it sounds like she's got something going on and, um, it may be that either it turned into a systemic issue 
or she may this chicken may have something else going on because you you know I know that a lot of Sherry's chickens are rescues or at least some of Sherry's chickens are rescues and I don't know if this is one of the rescues but sometimes when a chicken comes from another place you just don't know if they had that foundation that they that they needed okay to to keep them and then it's interesting because it's almost like what happens sometimes is when they get to a place where they do have good care and they do have that foundation, then all this stuff comes up and it's like, okay, here's all the stuff that I've been, you know, holding onto. And now if you can please help me with it. So after hope, you know, it may just be a few days. It could be a couple of weeks, but hopefully what will happen is that infection will come out. And I've heard from just so many people of just like, wow, it just like, it just came out on its own or it'll come out so much that it's very easy to remove without doing anything invasive. And so hopefully that will help Sherry. Um, and then I do, like I said, I encourage you to continue to consult with your veterinarian and uh, probably her being on antibiotics is a good idea because it sounds like she's really got something going on and it's probably beyond uh, Bumblefoot at this point. So, um, but Sherry, I thank you very much for your question. I hope you guys got some good, you know, something alternative that you can do, an alternative to surgery for Bumblefoot, okay? And um, right now, I'm going to open up the chat for questions. Okay, we've got a question from Leland Adams. New chicken owner here. I'm looking for more chickens, preferably chickens that are black, calm, and quiet. I've been looking into black Australorts, but I also need bantams. I live in San Diego. Okay, so uh, bantams in general, just this is just in general. They're going to be a little bit more chatty than like a like a standard size, um, but it does depend on the breed. And I think what might be really fun for you would be like a li the little black Japanese. They're called Japanese bantams. And they are very cute. They're very round. They're very stout <laughs> little chickens. They have short little legs. And they're very beautiful. They have these, these beautiful fan-like fan uh, tails. And they're, they're a lot of fun. So, yeah, I think that would be your best bet. All right. So Victoria Fox asked the question, do chickens yawn? Uh, let's consult with the presidential, the Chickenlandia presidential advisor. Hey, if you know the answer to that question, can you type it in the in the chat? Because I don't know the answer to that question. Desi Lou's Garden asks... Is it okay to make a chicken coop out of a doghouse? Should I raise it off the ground? Or is it okay on the ground? Well, in general, um, I feel that, and I, well, I know that chickens generally like to be up off the ground. And there's a few reasons, not just because they like to be up higher than that, but also under the chicken coop, um, sometimes if it's like directly on the ground like that, unless you take extra precautions, you can get rodents under there. 
So it's best if it's raised up at least a little bit. And I do think your chickens would appreciate it if it were up a little bit higher because they do like to go up to roost. That's how they feel safe. And that's their natural instinct to do that. But you can absolutely, I mean, there's so many things. I have seen chicken coops made out of, you know, the the craziest things. <laughs> and I am definitely someone that loves the idea of like repurposing things. Um, because, you know, I'm all about being sustainable and also giving people the opportunity to have chickens if they don't, you know, even if they don't have a ton of money to, to spend on some brand new coop. So um, I hope that helps. Oh, okay. So we got an answer from uh, the Chickenlandia presidential advisor did ask, answer the question. Yes, they can yawn. They will do it to adjust their crops. And I have seen that, but I wonder if it is. So is that like, okay. So sometimes when you're watching a chicken, you'll see them kind of like gape their mouth open. Like, (laughs) it looks kind of funny. Like, what they're doing is that they're like adjusting their crop, but when their crop is like right at the bottom of their neck, kind of like a, but like at the plate at the area where their chest meets their neck. Um, and you can feel it there when it's full of food. But I wonder, do they yawn? Like, do they yawn when they're tired? Like, is it that same mechanism? I know they yawn to adjust their crop, but do they yawn when they are tired? I'm just, I'm making it more complicated. Come on, Chickenlandia presidential advisor. (laughs) Uh, Wendy Kalis asks, do chickens in general like to be picked up? I would say in general, they do not like to be picked up. Uh, But there, and that's because there are many, many, there's like billions of chickens on the earth, okay? (laughs) And in general, those chickens don't like to be picked up now. Chickens that we have raised as babies, they're basically our pets, they're living in our backyard, we're going outside and giving them treats every day, and they know that if they get picked up, they're getting treats, or they're getting cuddles and all that stuff. I think they love to be picked up. So you you may have a chicken that loves it, and there's many chickens that do not like it. Okay, so I got a, a, a question from Mayar Jindi, and I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Uh, how can I avoid hen cannibalism? As I lost a hen today due to them pecking her, and they started pecking at another. Ugh. So that is really tough. I'm so sorry that you're dealing with that. Um, I think the first thing that you need to possibly reevaluate is how much space they have. Make sure that they have enough space. So in the coop, I would recommend two to four square feet of space in the coop. And that's the two square feet of space is if they have a lot of covered area outside of their coop, like in their run area where they can get out of the elements or and be out of the wind and rain and all that stuff. If they only have their coop as shelter, then you need four square feet of space inside the coop. Um, And then in the run, you want at least, and this is per standard size chicken, okay? In the run, you need at least 10 square feet of space per standard size chicken. And then within that space, you also want to have enrichment for them. So if they just have, you know, a space with dirt and nothing to do, then they might, you know, when chickens get bored, that's really when they start to look at each other like, oh, you know, I want to peck you. And then also... 
Make sure that you're checking your chickens over uh, to see whether or not they might be injured. Because if a chicken gets an injury or if a chicken is is not feeling well or they're vulnerable in some way, then they're very vulnerable to getting attacked by their flock mates. And that's super unfortunate, but that's how the the pecking order works. So if a chicken has an injury, the other chickens will peck it incessantly. They they will not stop and sometimes until that chicken is dead. So that's awful, I know, but that's their way of, you know, making sure that every chicken in the flock is going to work to keep the flock safe and that there's no vulner- vulnerabilities within the flock. Okay. The other thing I would do is evaluate their diet, make sure they're getting enough protein, make sure they have enough food, make sure they have good clean water. And I'm not saying you're not doing any of these things, but this is just what I tell everybody. And then I would ask, like, are these new chickens that are getting put into your existing flock? Because if that's the case, then you can have definitely pecking problems and they can they can literally kill the new chickens, uh, depending on the personality of your flock. So if if you're adding new chickens into your flock, make sure that you're following a, an integration process. And I do have a video about that. Um, and I'll put that in the show notes and in the description. But I'm sorry that that's happening. That's a that's a tough one, a really tough one when it when it happens. Uh, Pepper the chicken asks, my chicken Pepper <laughs> has an empty belly since yesterday, but I see her eat. Why is her belly empty? Um, I wouldn't worry about that too much unless you're feeling like a really, uh, you know, unless they're really, you're picking them up and they feel like skin and bones. Um, if they have a little bit of, of meat on them, I wouldn't worry too much about that. And I don't know if you mean the belly or the crop. You know, it just depends on the, you know, chickens have a very fast metabolism. So it depends on, on what they're eating, how often they're eating. But if she's acting normal and you're seeing her eat and drink and she looks spry, like she's, you know, doing her chicken thing, chickens, chickens always seem like they're moving even when they're still. (laughs) So um, if she's eating, drinking and acting normal and laying eggs, I wouldn't worry about it. Okay. The bank's homestead asks, my chickens don't like lettuce. Is that normal? <laughs> you know, I, I've I've known of flocks that didn't like like mealworms or grubs, which is so strange because that's like chicken crack. You know, chickens love that, and every flock has a different kind of personality. And if they are also if they also feel like, oh, you're giving me lettuce, like you usually give me noodles, like. <laughs> <laughs> that that might have something to do with it too, but it just depends. And sometimes they'll wait, especially if they're young chickens, they'll wait until one of them gets brave enough to try a new food and then they'll all try it. So if they're young, then I would give them a little bit of time and don't, don't write them off as abnormal yet. So Lori Jacobs asked an important question. Does Bumblefoot go away without treatment? You know, there may be cases where it goes away, but uh, where, you know, just the chicken's body kind of fights it off. But I would not chance it. I would definitely treat it because uh, more often than not, it will get it will turn into a worse problem than what you would want to deal with in your flock. You know, if you handle it, the sooner you handle it, the better. 
So I wouldn't take my chances on on letting it go away on its own because that's probably what wouldn't happen. So Brittany Galbrecht asks, and I'm, I hope I'm pronouncing your last name right. When do I start giving my chickens calcium, eggshell or oyster shell? So when chickens uh, come into lay, then you want to make sure that they have the right amount of calcium to lay good, strong eggs with good, strong eggshells. Okay, and the, and also that they're repro- you know really just gives their reproductive systems the strength to lay uh, good strong eggs. I would start giving calcium whenever your chickens are um, either at about whenever they start laying. You definitely want to do that. So when you switch them over to layer feed, like from starter to layer, or from grower to later to layer, however you decide to do it. The time that you do that is when either they start laying or they are 20 weeks of age. So if they start laying at 16 weeks, I want you to switch them over to layer feed at that point. If they start laying, and that's if any of if any of your chickens start laying, whenever they start laying, you switch them over to layer feed at that point. If they get to 20 weeks and they haven't started to lay, then go ahead and switch them over. And whenever you switch them over to layer feed, I want you to also offer calcium, a calcium supplement too. So that will be either oyster shell or, uh, you know, once they start laying, you can crush up their eggshells and give those back to them as a calcium supplement. And that's a nice uh, sustainable thing that you can do. Now, I do recommend at least every once in a while, kind of replenishing that uh, that calcium supply with some outside calcium so some some oyster shell you know I, I if you can swing it I would I think it would be better if you could do that but I, I think it's a great idea to offer them their crushed eggshells because it's sustainable and you know I love that. So guys, I thank you very much for being here today. Remember if you want to, be chicken famous and possibly have your question answered on Bok Talk. Go to my website, welcome to chickenlandia.com. Go to the contact section and you can choose ask a chicken question. And if you want to tell me a little chicken story, you can tell me that too, because that's one of the options. Okay. I love to I love to read those too. And while you're at it, when you're on my website, make sure that you join Chickenlandia Nation the most exclusive back, not exclusive. Oh, I said the wrong word. (laughs) The the most, I don't know. I, now I don't remember the word that I, that I wanted to use. It's not exclusive because you know, everyone's welcome in Chickenlandia, but it is an awesome chicken uh, mailing list. It's Chickenlandia's mailing list where you get to hear all the news and get all the offers and stuff. Um, Anything special that I'm doing, I like to communicate to Chickenlandia Nation through my email list. So definitely join that while you're on my website. And I just want to thank you guys so much for joining me today. Thank you so much to the Chickenlandia Presidential Advisor who co-produced this episode and to 13 Moons Homestead. You guys, if you have not checked out her YouTube channel, it's awesome. It's just so, it's like she's got like this relaxing YouTube channel. <laughs> you just like watch it and you're like, you just feel like you're in Oregon. You know, it's like, it's just, it's got a really good feel to it. And she's got a really calming voice and has, and has knowledge and is, is living her, uh, her 
her best life. Okay. Um, and that's always fun to watch. So, and I also want, I want to thank, I think Eric Johnson was here today. Thank you to all my moderators who joined me today. And thank you to Talking to Crows for editing this episode. And of course, to uh, Double M Ranch, who creates my wonderful podcast art. Remember, if you enjoyed this podcast, to like and and review it, to rate and review it, because that really helps me. It really helps me. And the other thing that I need you guys to remember, it's this is very important. If you forget everything else, I want you to remember this. You are always welcome in Chickenlandia. Bye, guys. Dahlia Monterosso, also known as the president of Chickenlandia, is a backyard chicken educator in Northwest Washington. To submit your question to Bok Talk, visit welcometochickenlandia.com. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.